Front office, please hold. Man, it's Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got shit to do. And you know this, man. Excellent movie. <laughs> Happy 420, everybody. Um, and welcome to another week of the Front Office Podcast. Kev, Jet, and Kyle all back again this week to uh, yuck it up for just about an hour and talk about the world of sports. Um so thank you everyone who tuned in last week to our mock draft that we did live uh, with our alternating picks. And for anyone who's uh, interested in following up on that, uh, you can listen to it um, on our uh, podcast page, or you can go over to Dine's press box and uh, we actually have posted it there uh, in article form. So if you prefer to, to read instead of listen, by all means, go ahead and do so. Other than that, fellas, we had a pretty uh, pretty busy week regarding the podcast the last the last five or six days. So, for anyone who doesn't know, fellas, we are trending in the podcast world in Canada. Podboard One Hundred has listed us on their Discover Your Next New Favorite Podcasts, which again, very honored to be a part of that and. Uh, Again, testament to uh, everything that we're doing every week here, boys. So good job to each of you for keeping this thing afloat and uh, and being the real talent behind uh, behind the show. Does this and mean like, we still have to keep doing this? No, no, no. We made it now. Oh, okay, great. So we can hire out. We can offshore our our part. That's yeah. great. We can, I, would, we can I, would sublet. Also, I would also like to thank uh, the pandemic to give people absolutely nothing to do. Uh, but to listen to us <laughs> yuck it up, yeah, you know, and based on our Jeopardy episode on the website, like we don't really know what we're talking about anyway. So, yeah. I think if anything, this podcast just reaffirms with people that listen that they know a lot about sports. Okay, when they listen to this, they know there's at least well, at least one person that's really bad, and then another guy who's you know, around zero, and then uh, well, Kyle, you're okay. I think you're the guy I asked before Google when it comes to anything sports related. But, um, you know, we could have picked any other topic, really, and been more qualified as a group. <laughs> but sports sports seem like a, a real fun thing to do. I think we all like sports. Sports are neat. I think at this point, I can sum it up like this. There's Stephen A. Smith. There's Mel Kuyper. There's Matt Millen. And then there's us. That is the totem pole of sports knowledge. <laughs> yeah, right, right there. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? They if, get if, paid somehow. If we, can so. make, if we can make the amount of money that those idiots make for literally knowing that, and you forgot Skip Bayless in there, by the way. Um, How about them Cowboys? God, I hate that guy. Um, if we can make money doing what they do every week and just bullshit everything that they talk about, because they clearly don't have a clue. Um, then I'm all for it. So uh, we need to find a way to go ahead and do that. But again, boys, we're trending in Canada right now. So uh, again, the, you know, we joke about uh, about everything, but um, obviously, very, very proud, uh, proud of uh, of the accomplishment there. Um, but the big one that uh, that we all want to uh, uh, talk about tonight was uh, something that we had posted on our Instagram page on Monday, and. Uh, that is, of course, our brand new sponsorship with the Smoke Shack and BTP Smokehouse. We did it. We did it. I cannot stress enough how excited I am personally, and I know you guys are too, but how excited I am personally to be partnered up with, to be quite honest, the best barbecue I've ever eaten in my life. Um, these guys do such a great job with you know, the food quality, the portions, and, and really just, I've never left there not being completely full and, you know, ready to throw up on the way home because I'm so full. But uh, anyone who hasn't been to the Smoke Shack or BTP Smokehouse, you know, please go do that. We can't stress enough how good this food really is. And again, we are so 
excited and and you know honored to to be partnering up with them going forward on this podcast. I it, this might sound like a stretch and probably hard to believe, but it's the only restaurant I can honestly say that every time I go, I do more than one order yeah. throughout my time that I'm there. Like it's like I get in, I grab a pint, and then I'm going to say, you know what, start me off with a burnt end sandwich and uh, leave the menu because I'm going to finish that and then I'm going to want something else. And I mean, you, Kyle and I, we've, we've been part of a, a fantasy football league that does this draft there every year. And, yep. uh, you know, they change locations with the pandemic. We have been there for hours Oh yeah, and yeah. sampled everything they've had on that menu. And uh, it never disappoints. In, in sometimes fact, you, sometimes I, miss, I, I missed it. Yeah, sometimes you get two orders during the during the draft, and then you you have one to go to uh, to take home. You know, from their ribs to their chicken to their mac and cheese to anything they have on their menu. I mean, it's all just absolutely deadly. I recommend the salad. Absolutely, it's a delicious bacon and brisket salad. It's delicious. <laughs> uh, hold the lettuce. <laughs> You know what? I know I know that it's fantastic. And you know how I know it's fantastic? Because the last time I had some, I immediately fell asleep afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so when the itis is strong, uh, you, you know it's delicious. Yeah. But uh, again, so excited to be a part of it to uh, Tyler and the gang over at the Smoke Shack. And uh Really looking forward to um, you know sampling all of the the new products that you guys are coming out with and and doing as much promotion for the show as we can. So for our operation support local campaign, we actually have secured uh, a local establishment that uh, I think we've all frequented many 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 times. So um, we're uh, again we'll, we'll stress how much we are excited and our waistlines definitely um, will be the benefactor of this for sure. All right. And on that note, fellas, we'll move over to uh, the regular scheduled programming for this week. Just before we get into kind of our, our regular uh, segments this week, we're going to focus on, you know, the effect that branding and endorsements and marketing have in the sports world. And, you know, really what, you know, what, what do you want to focus on when it comes to, athlete versus brand right we've talked about athlete you know athlete brands before on the show but you know we're going to take a deeper dive to see like are people influenced by products that certain athletes endorse what types of athletes do certain companies target when they want to promote their product and we'll you know really talk about a few interesting things because there's actually a, a few things that came out this week that were very um very suiting to the the topic of the show so uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, maybe we'll kick it off and we'll start off in a fantastic fashion and we'll kick it over to Kev for another installment of Grinding Beans. Grinding Beans. Here it comes live at you. I think there are a lot of things we could jump on. I mean, uh, it, it was earlier announced this week that uh, the state of Florida is going to mandate um genital inspections of all high school athletes because florida when the world gets bored has to do something florida but uh, i'm not i'm not going to delve into that one in fact i'm going to focus on a sport that we probably don't talk enough about here even though it's the most popular sport in the world and i know we've done an episode let's take a look at the newly proposed super league european super league for soccer or football known everywhere else but here um if you, if you haven't heard, uh, basically the top 12 um, richest and, you know, biggest brands for European soccer in, in uh, Spain, Italy, the UK, uh, they're going to come together and they're going to form Super League and they're going to play midweek. They're going to still partake in their existing leagues is what they're saying. But they're also going to have this Super League and they're going to compete in the Super League. And it sounds like a good idea. And part of me is in favor of it, but then probably the most corrupt sport governing body aside from the IOC has stepped in and said, there's absolutely no way that you are allowed to do this. You're either uh, staying put where you are or you are out. All your players that partake in this are no longer qualified to compete in the World Cup. 
uh, or the Olympics. So they're taking, um, you know, extreme measures to make sure that this Super League doesn't happen. And I think the obvious reason, and, and we, we know it if we've talked about hockey before, I think we talked about that, um, you know, with the regional uh, divisions and how it impacts uh, the game as a whole. But their biggest concern is these 12 founding members of a Super League are the biggest draw for all the other clubs that are in their uh, individual leagues that they participate in. It's so much that they basically said the, uh, the premiership is, uh, you know, the, the British Premier League is about to go under if this happens. And it sounds incredible to think that probably something that is almost synonymous with the sport of soccer, something that we can all think of. In fact, they even have a TV show that's pretty popular now with Ted Lasso um, kind of featuring that league. Uh, how could it go under if these big teams that are a part of it, right? We're talking Manchester United being one of them is going to continue to play in it, but then also play in the Super League. And it's obvious that FIFA and UEFA has come out and basically said, we have teams that are competing in those leagues that we oversee that don't belong there, right? And the Super 12 obviously understood this and said, why are we dragging down the talent of our clubs where we could be filling up our rosters with the best players in the world and having this incredible Super League of basically... All the players we love look, uh, you know, watching in um, international play that at times can put entire countries on their back. Okay, why don't we have all these guys playing on the same teams and competing in in a Super League against each other? Right. Instead of having, um, you know, teams that are bordering on the realm of relegation every year, getting pumped and adding to the total aggregate points for the, the top running teams. Let's just have a Super League where every single team is capable of winning any of these divisions, right? Now they're all playing against each other. I like that idea. I think anyone from, you know, a sports-centric uh, focus would say, I'd rather see the best play the best at all times, right? And the reason why I think this makes the most sense for soccer itself is because it's, it's going uh, across boundaries or it's going across borders. It's looking at the continent of Europe and the three main countries uh, that seem to host soccer and, and kind of where most of the soccer money is on that continent. I think that's awesome, right? Um, the same concept couldn't necessarily be applied in North America, right? If we took the NFL and said, okay, the top 12 teams are in the super NFL and everyone else is below it and they got to compete to play up. You can't do that. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. There wouldn't be a league. You're watering it down way too much. But if you're looking at an entire continent of play for these super 12 teams, there's more than enough money and market share to go around that this makes sense. And I still think, especially if they're agreeing to play in those other leagues, those leagues aren't going to fold. This is just FIFA and UEFA hating that ownership is cutting them out of probably the largest revenue stream from the biggest sport in the world. That is all this is. They just went from extremely relevant, <laughs> corrupt to irrelevant and not getting a piece of a giant pie. That's all this is. And kudos to the owners and the teams for saying, now we'll go at our own and you can keep us out. We're fine. I'm pretty sure the fan backlash that they banned uh, all of these players for competing on behalf of their countries in the World Cup would be incredible. Um, probably much more than Gary Bettman deciding not to let NHLers play in the last Winter Olympics. But that, my friends, FIFA and UEFA, making kind of the, the little kid at the playground who doesn't get to play with the toy and throwing everything else they have out of the cart. That to me is ridiculous and it's grinding my beats. Kev, I, uh, I've been following that the last couple of days too. And I know you've sent me a couple of uh, different postings and whatnot about the updates on everything, but um, I don't know if you've seen what's happened today, but there's actually been a couple of teams who have started to withdraw from the super league. Um, formation. So I think it's Chelsea and Liverpool. So the the Premiership teams, yeah, yeah. Atletico um, and Barcelona did as well. Did they? Yeah. Um, so I uh, I completely agree. I, I <laughs> anyone who doesn't know that FIFA is the most corrupt organization in the world needs to actually go and do their homework because FIFA by far 
has been involved in some of the biggest sporting scandals in the history of sports. And I think you're right, Kev. Like, this is a way of these owners who are basically saying, like, well, why are you guys getting this huge cut of money from our teams and our players and our players' likenesses when you have nothing to do with it? And if we want to go and compete at the top level instead of playing – I mean, I don't know about you. I'm a huge fan of Aberdeen versus Birmingham as much as the next guy. But – you know when you throw <laughs> when you when you throw in Aberdeen rules <laughs> when when you throw in a Manchester United and a Chelsea, it just gets the juices flowing a little bit more, right? So, as as much as you want to keep the sanctity of these traditional leagues intact, I think you're right. These other leagues, you know, they'll stay afloat. There's enough of a fan base, enough of a following that they'll be able to keep you know, the majority of what they have going, but the TV revenue is obviously going to be affected significantly because a lot of these different broadcasters and these companies are going to want to go over to the Super League. So you look at Sky Sports, who I think is the biggest, uh, you know, supplier of North American viewership when it comes to uh, European soccer. Tell me that they wouldn't be bidding billions and billions and billions of dollars to be a part of that Premier League, uh, or sorry, the Super League and taking a little bit of a, a slice of their pie back from, you know, the other leagues that they've already kind of invested in. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I get it from the top club's perspective. I get it from the smaller club's perspective of why they might be a little bit more upset, even though they have a better chance at winning. But can you imagine the transfer market if the Super League does actually go, regardless of how many teams are in it? Can you imagine the transfer market of how nuts it would go with all these top teams just bidding stupid amounts of money on these top players to get them to come over. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it would actually be so much fun to read the news. Like this, I guarantee you there would be like a 10 year deal worth a hundred or sorry, a billion dollars at one point happening for a premier player mm-hmm. in that league with mm-hmm. the amount of money that would be in that league. It's not out of the realm of possibility that you'd have a billion dollar contract for a player. Yeah. Well, Jet, you look at your boy Mbappe. I mean, that kid's just scratching the surface of what he can do. Can you imagine what his contract offer would be from one of these top programs? Yo, they go, they, they go, they're going to buy him with that oil money, though. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, PSG is already that oil money. Yeah, yeah. PSG's got some, got some funds. When you can have Neymar and Mbappe on the same team, you got some money. Well, don't forget, I think, I think it costs PSG – it was like – triple fig no sorry it was i think it was nine figures just yeah. to negotiate with neymar oh e- e- easily nine figures yeah easily so, uh, just to talk to him yeah that's nuts so yeah. yeah but yeah i mean greed is always going to rule you know large organizations like that and fifa is definitely at the at the pinnacle of that and i don't think uefa is that far behind so um you know, we'll see how this thing plays out, but it's really got some uh, get your popcorn ready moments. Uh, I think in the next couple of days for sure. For, for a second there, when you said if if you want to see how corrupt you know uh, the UEFA is or FIFA is, FIFA, yeah. I thought you were going to say just watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> they predicted that scandal way before it happened. Again. You know, I think a lot of people have talked about it, but the Simpsons has a time machine and they can... Simpsons did it. Yeah, honestly. How they've been able to predict so many monumental moments in not just, you know, U.S. history, but the world. It's insane. So, Matt Groening, whatever you're doing, the reason why I think he created Futurama is because he actually was a part of the future. (laughs) And he actually was able to see a lot of this stuff. So, um, yeah. Anyways, you know, speaking of conspiracy theories, Jet, we all know that you're big for a conspiracy theory, but instead of talking conspiracy theories, let's go over to your actual segment that you're talking about every week with another installment of Constantly Improving. Uh, so my I segues can't... are getting better every week, man. They, they are. are. They better. are. You're, you're getting. Can we get some Family Guy cutaways? That's more important than segues. <laughs> you think that's bad? <laughs> it's just like the time that I shaved my head and painted my scalp green. Oh, are we, are we, are, oh, we're, we're we're not we're not doing the cut for that. We don't no. have the money for it. Okay. It's on their website. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> anyway, Jethro, continue. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry. Wow, we we're we're like the dog from up on this show. It's not even <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> so I initially was going to uh uh talk about one thing, but um my arm got twisted. I'm going to talk about something else. Instead. I'm not twisting your arm, man. I just said it might be relevant to what we did last week. For you, Higgins. <laughs> you could be positive. <laughs> so uh, th- there's been a lot of talk of uh, uh, about Caleb Fairley. Farley? Fairley? Farley. Farley. Caleb Farley. Um, and uh, the potential for him to slip in the draft as a result of a quite checkered uh, injury history. So the most significant one as of right now, and I just uh, quickly saw that he's not participating in his pro day, if I understand, uh, because he had or will be having a back surgery, right? Now, I can empathize with him, seeing as I've had the exact same surgery. But to be honest, uh, he, he is a very talented player. I think the issue with what's going on here is if you're looking at Caleb Fairley to be your lockdown DB for the next, again, in the business of things, guys don't necessarily play for the same team uh, their entire careers. But if you're looking for someone to be a solid DB for the next eight to 10 years in the NFL, the odds are stacked against Mr. Farley. The reason I'm saying that is because as a DB, uh, you have to stay with receivers. You have to cover, you have to cut, you have to move. And that's a lot of that. Your, your SI joint, which is your sacroiliac joint is going to take quite a beating. Okay. So that's where your hips meet uh, your spine. And if you have had surgery, not once, but twice uh, on your back, this time more specifically for a herniated disc, you there's a chance that you're going to have some degenerative changes in your lower back moving forward and you combine that with the speed the intensity of the game of football on its own and then you combine that with playing with the shock absorbers in your spine now you know working at 50 percent because some of them's been snipped out because herniated discs they don't repair herniated discs when you have a herniated disc, they snip out the piece that's herniated. So that shock absorber, like as, as opposed to if you, let's say you have a meniscus tear in your knee, they can repair that meniscus so that you can still maintain your original parts. Whereas a herniated disc, they just take it out or they cut out the piece that's rubbing against the nerve. So therefore, you have less of a protective barrier between the bones in your spine, known as your vertebrae. And then that can cause some, you know, uh, low back arthritis. So like eventually, I know I'm probably gonna have to buy a new spine from Amazon, but, but uh, Mr. Next Farley- support local. <laughs> support, <it's> a, <laughs> hey, go, there's a- go, let's go for the Roy Spine Shop down on, down on Elgin Street. <laughs> I was just about to say. No, you need to go down to Nelly's Spine Shop. The good thing about Nelly's Spine Shop is Nelly gets in the spine with you. Because <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying if I could buy a spine locally, I'd do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, for, for Caleb Fairley, like I said, I think, think, I think Caleb Fairley's back. Farley. Is, Farley, daggone it. Caleb Farley's back is essentially Todd Gurley's knee. Ooh. It's eventually, there's a good chance it's eventually going to crap out on him. And I think that any team that takes him should be weary of that fact because I know that that's what happened with Todd Gurley. People were weary of taking him in the draft and now we're seeing, how many years has he been in the league? Six, seven? He got drafted in 2015. 2015. So exactly. So this would be year six. Yep. So as I mentioned, if you're looking for a DB for the next 10 years, he, he ain't it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the, that's not going to be the case because you're going to, he's going to have wear and tear and he's going to have some grinding on his spine. He's going to have some uh, degenerative changes with his spine and it, it's going to force him into retirement early. So if you have a young team 
that you think can compete in the next three, four years, five years, go for it. If you think you're going to win a Super Bowl, because we see we see teams sign free agents for a year. So if you think that this rookie is going to help you out in the next three to five years, go for it. But if you think that this is a, a situation where he's going to help you in the next eight to 10 years, I, my medical advice would be to, <laughs> I would advise against it. Yeah. And uh, the reason why I wanted you to talk about that specifically was because I, I, I've been following a lot of, you know, of the prospects this year for the NFL draft, because again, didn't get a chance to see a lot of them play and Caleb Farley didn't play last year. He opted out. So the fact that he still has to have this operation now, you know, there's something wrong with that, you know, with that situation. And again, I don't know if you guys have watched a lot of film on him, but he's not exactly the most physical corner either. So you think with a guy who would be like, you know, quitting jammer, you know, for the little throwback corner from back in the day, mm-hmm. who's coming up and making every tackle in, in the open field. Like those are the guys you would say that, okay, well, his career is going to be shortened because he's throwing his body around like a, you know, like a missile. Caleb Farley's not exactly the, the solid tackler, if you want to put it that way, but he is a great, you know, fantastic cover guy. But the fact that he's having as many issues as he's having with his back and his neck, I think that, when you look at it long-term that could scare off a lot of teams. And I mean, I, I hope that he gets you know drafted as highly as possible, but like you're saying earlier, there's just a lot of situations that they prevent, you know, especially when it's not someone's fault, but they prevent a young talented prospect from maybe missing out on, you know, living out a portion of his dream because of an injury. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to talk about that instead of uh, your other one. You could talk about that next week, but um, <laughs> but again, like I know, I know that you went through the same type of deal with uh, with your back surgery, so I figured it would be a, a nice you know transition, and you can speak honestly and accurately as possible on it. So so that's good. So Kev, maybe your uh, your number ten pick to Dallas. You know, you can you can rethink that one and give them another corner. Probably need a receiver. <laughs> one of my one of my bold predictions was Dallas was going to trade up with Atlanta to take Caleb or uh, to take uh, Kyle Pitts at number four. Wow! Yeah, bold really? picks. They don't need help on defense. They do. You and I both know that, but you know Jerry Jones. You don't make friends with defense, Jethro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You don't make friends with defense. You don't make friends with defense. (laughs) Why do they need to stop anybody when they can score 50 a game? They're going to be the Golden State Warriors of football. We're going to score 50, (laughs) and you're going to score There's no three-point touchdowns, though. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So uh, moving on to uh, the regular portion of our uh, of our week this week so we're going to dive into the world of branding and athletic marketing and uh, and endorsements because you know why wouldn't we want to talk about something fun like that so the reason why i wanted to bring this up was because the last week and a half have you know really had a lot of significant moments in the athletic uh, branding world so number one you know, the number, you know, the projected number one pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence, just signed his first uh, endorsement deal with Adidas. So Adidas lands a huge prospect in Trevor Lawrence. And I'm sure, you know, Nike, Under Armour, other large football brands are, are kind of kicking themselves for not landing that one. Because as you all know, in the, in the endorsement world, it's an arms race. So Trevor Lawrence going to a non-traditional football, you know, apparel company with Adidas. So, you know, could be an interesting one. I think the only thing interesting there is it confirms what we all have been thinking. He's going to be a bust. <laughs> oh, wow. Went with Adidas. <laughs> Nike passed on him. That's the real truth. They know he's a bust. So, so Kyle, you could probably answer this. Yep. Who's, who's the biggest, well, the biggest star that's endorsed by Adidas in the NFL right now? That's a good question, man. I haven't even looked it up, but uh, I, I can't name one off the top of my head. Yeah. So maybe this is one of those things where Adidas is really trying to shake up the market like Under Armour did in the basketball world with Steph Curry. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, they weren't a big player, but they went after a big fish. And if they can get them, then maybe they can build their brand around a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Well, let's be honest. 
Nike built their brand off of Michael Jordan. And we will right? talk about we will talk about that later on, my friends. So and Tiger Woods. Yeah. Again, so. we'll we'll talk about that as well. But uh, <laughs> you know, speaking of Michael Jordan, his brand Jumpman, who you know, Jet, you made mention of it last week. I mean, that brand is everywhere. You see the the Jumpman logo on everything. And uh, one of their biggest clients in Zion Williamson just released his signature shoe today, um, which again, very monumental because I think he's in a line of, uh, I think there's only a handful of NBAers who actually have a signature shoe out right now. So the fact that Zion has one at 20 years old um, with a brand like Jumpman, I think that the sky's the limit for someone like that to really take, uh, take that next step to superstardom. All I hope is that the shoe is a better shoe than that shoe where he almost destroyed his knee and ankle when he was back in school. Was when it, it like, exploded? He was a Duke? He was Duke, where yeah. Where he tried to change direction and the shoe exploded. Yeah. And, and well, they were like, that shoe company was going to pay out a lot of money if he couldn't play basketball again. You know what shoe that was? No, I don't I know. They, I know they made a big deal about it, but Nike. I forgot. It was Nike, eh? It was Nike. Ooh. But anyways, I mean, very significant moment because I think anyone who's able to get like a signature shoe behind them, you know, that, that just kind of proves that you've made it in the basketball world. You know what I mean? When you have a signature item, you see all the guys who have their shoes. I mean, you're looking at Kevin Durant's and, you know, Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook's and Kobe Bryant's and Vince Carter, Michael Jordan. Like there are so many big, 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 you know, athletes in the, in the basketball world that have their signature shoes. So congrats to Zion. So, fellas, Kobe Bryant's shoe deal is coming to an end and his estate uh, is not renewing with Nike. So, where do you think that they could possibly take it if they want to continue on the legacy and and really kind of, you know, promote the Kobe Bryant shoe line? Well, wasn't there a rumor that even before he had passed that he wanted to literally start his own brand? Uh, Probably what, like the Mamba shoe or something? Something like that, yeah. So, I mean, in, in honor of him, they could just not sign with anyone else, mm-hmm. right? And just make up their, their own brand similar to the Jumpman brand. And that will be his, you know, living legacy. And then, you know, new, and then moving forward, who will be the first basketball player to be the, the Mamba brand ambassador? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like something like that. So I, I think I think what they could do is really just could be they could be really innovative and really just kind of do their own thing because again <clears throat> Kobe is considered widely considered one of the top I don't know top ten players oh, top for sure 10, for sure right players in the NBA in NBA history so mm-hmm. you know to to if if he were alive and again I don't like to speculate and say like oh you know. You know, it's not like Tupac. Or, Yo, Tupac would have said this, or Biggie would have said this. It's not like that. But I do think that if if he were alive, he was on that trajectory where he may not have been exactly like the Jumpman situation with Jordan, but he his brand would have done very well for itself. Yeah, yeah, and and, and on the topic of of Michael Jordan, I mean, who's presenting Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame this year? Michael Jordan, right? Uh, so wouldn't that be kind of fitting if the week of the hall of fame they make the announcement that jump man's coming out with the mamba shoe or the mamba line or whatever it is so it's like a subcategory of jump man yeah because they're still going to need that marketing i think we're missing the obvious um companies he's going to jump to it's either going to be the big baller brand or (laughs) the marbury shoe company i think I think you need to consider both of those as options here. Um, you know, not big players in the game, but just think of what the uh, what the Mamba Shoe Company can do for both of them, right? Starbury, never lost. Never lost. Uh, I would beat Michael Jordan in my prime. <laughs> all, but, I pic- all I picture in that idiot talks is just the the Charlie Murphy skit where Prince is just dominating him in a basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> game I, don't know. I, I think um what's his name lorenzo ball no lavar lavar ball i think lavar ball fights jake paul next oh i God. think i think that's how it needs to go 
And I'm and I'm putting my money on Jake Paul. Oh uh, yeah. Hey, hey, side note. Do you guys watch uh, Shameless at all? No. No. Oh, man. Sucks. You're good things. <laughs> good good End, segue, uh, Jet. Good segue. End of story. That was a... <laughs> hey, hey, you guys do this? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> guys I'll stop talking. <laughs> you guys are Screw awesome. me, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck me. Help me over Hey, by the way, you just brought up Jake Paul. Are, are we not going to talk about Jake Oh, I was. I was going to bring it up at the very end. But oh. uh, if, if you want to you know, interrupt our segment, you talk about <laughs> your, your ridiculous you know, fixed fight win. Um, <laughs> yes, I do, so I do owe fixed. you a Mickey, a spice drum. You'll be getting uh, it. Don't worry. But yeah, uh, that's what I get for betting on a guy who looked like he ate cheeseburgers for the two months <laughs> leading up to the fight. That's what I'm saying. Everyone had Askren to win until everyone yeah, saw until the they in. saw the way in, and it's like, oh, that's what he looks like with his shirt off now. Oh, then he, he looks, looks like, like he looks Leonardo, like Leonardo between movies. He looks like Damon Wayans in the Great White Hype. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in shape. I'm round. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, but yes, Jet, you won the weekly wager from last week, and you will get a bottle of Spice Drum. Don't worry, Appleton. Yes, Appleton Estates. Appleton Estates. You're the island. Going back to, so speaking of Appleton Estates, great brand um, and very recognizable around the world. But speaking of brands, let's get back into our conversation. So yeah, I I, I don't disagree with uh, with you, Jet, on on the Kobe Bryant thing, Kevin. Obviously, I uh, I question everything that comes out of your mouth when it comes to sports knowledge. So. Um, <laughs> So, so we'll see what happens there but um but anyways what i wanted to kind of start off our our real conversation with was when i mentioned athletes and endorsements what are the first things that come to mind for each of you guys just just one off the top of your head monies no but like you know name me an athlete or name me a brand nike and who uh Rolex and all the sports outside of the top four. That's pretty fair. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the the conversation always has to be had when it comes to um, you know athletics and endorsements. Which you know, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. What comes first? Is the athlete more important to the brand, or is the brand more important to the athlete? And when you look in a lot of cases. Both have been, you know, monumental for each other's growth. I mean, you go back to the most monumental deal of all time, which was the Michael Jordan Nike, you know, arrangement, and that kind of kickstarted his jump into superstardom, and really created a lot of the free, you know, the feeding frenzy in regards to, you know, the McDonald's and the Hanes and everything kind of jumping on that, you know, the same train that Michael Jordan was. So. Um, when I'm talking about some of the most marketable brands of all time, I mean, Jet, you named one with Nike, Kev, you named one with Rolex. Um, I mean, you got to look at a lot of the, the big companies around the globe that are international, right? So you got like Coca-Cola, you've got the Beats by Dre now, um, and then you've got some outside of the box ones. So like independent car companies. So like you see some with like Ferrari, some with, you know, Rolls Royce, Mercedes, things of that nature. Brands have to be very strategic. And this is why you see a lot of, you know, these larger companies like Nike and Adidas and whatnot, they'll have an entire team devoted to scouting and looking for athletes that fit what they want to do. So they have to one, look at who's hot at the current moment and really, you know, hit the, hit the hype train as much as they can. But they also have to forecast. I don't know if you guys have seen the 30 for 30 uh, called soul man before. It's basically about Sonny Vaccaro, who was a big shoe executive back in the 70s and 80s. And he was the one who brokered the deal for Michael Jordan with Nike. He was the one who brokered the deal for uh, Kobe Bryant. And uh, he was also the one who was, they, it should have happened, but he was the one who was going to broker the deal between LeBron James and Adidas. And Apparently, at the last second, Adidas got cold feet and LeBron went to Nike. But you think about this, and like this guy is going around and he's scouting high school players and trying to get them to sign shoe deals. 
So he talks about Kobe Bryant. He talks about Tracy McGrady. He talks about LeBron James. He's talking to 16-year-old kids sometimes in their family saying, I'm projecting you to be worth this much by the time that you're eligible to play in the NBA, right? So this is what a lot of these big companies have. They have like, you know, a staff of 100 people for these companies that literally this is all they do is they speculate, they scout. It's kind of like what a professional sports organization would do when they're looking for prospects, the draft. They're building their team around specific athletes. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to say that, the brand makes the athlete more marketable because it's true. But in my mind, I think that the athlete ultimately is the one who controls how big the brand can get because of the reach that they have globally. You look at a guy like LeBron James jet. Everyone mm-hmm. knows who LeBron James is. You know, you can go to Australia. People know who LeBron James is. You can go mm-hmm. to different parts of Africa. They don't know who LeBron James is. Go to China, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You can legitimately advertise this guy with your brand globally and that's why you see a lot of the bigger brands that are going with lebron james the reason why they want to get into that is because they want to get bigger into those markets so i did a little digging and i was actually able to come across a very cool list and it basically lists the top 100 endorsements in athletics and this is from 2019 because obviously 2020 the list would be completely askew but what this does is it ranks athletes around the world by how much they make in endorsements per year because i know that we talked about before in our soccer episode about how much athletes are making just based on base salary and bonuses this is just endorsement dollars it also gives us what their social media presence is like and then it also breaks down who their top endorsers are and how much um how much money comes with an athletic, you know, tweet or an athletic, you know, post on Instagram. It's actually pretty, pretty crazy. So the number one athlete in the world in 2019 in regards to endorsements, who do you guys think it would be? Number one in the world? Number one in the world, men or women? Federer. It is Roger Federer. Roger Federer brought in $86 million in endorsements alone in 2019. Wow. Wow. So this is how this list breaks down, okay? So Roger Federer has 12.6 million followers on it, on uh, on Twitter. His main sponsors include Swiss Bank, Mercedes-Benz, Kev, Rolex, yep. um, Uniqlo, and Wilson Sports. Those are his bigger his bigger sponsors. He's probably got about a, a upwards of 100 sponsors. So when you take into account the companies that he's endorsing, the amount of Twitter followers that he has. How much would you say every time Roger Federer posts something on social media, what would you say, you know, each of these companies would have to pay him? Six figures plus. Like per year or? No, no, just every time he posts something. 100, 100K a post. Yeah, I'd say six, yeah, six figures. It's pretty accurate. He gets paid between ninety thousand and one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars per post. Yo, we got to get on that, guys. On Twitter, we got to get on this stuff. Do you know how much additional revenue each of these companies makes on average every time he posts something? Double, double what they're paying. They, on average, make an additional one hundred thirty-four thousand dollars on top of what they pay him every time he posts something online. <clears throat> So think about that with all of these brands. They are literally paying Roger Federer to just live his life and do what you know millions of people are doing around the world. But they're paying him $100,000. And each of these companies, this is what they're paying him. So he's probably making a million dollars a tweet. But these companies are making back two or three million dollars a tweet. Crazy. It's insane. It's crazy. So number two on the list. Tiger Woods still still relevant in 2019. He is the second largest earning athlete for endorsements. I'm not going to rep Hyundai anymore, though. Fifty. <laughs> really? <laughs> Tiger Woods brought in fifty-four million dollars in endorsements. Wow. Um, again, not as many Twitter followers. Um, doesn't get paid as much per tweet. Doesn't make as doesn't generate as much money per tweet. But when you look at his endorsement deals. 
So Nike, TaylorMade, Bridgestone, uh, Monster Energy, um, and Upper Deck Sporting Cards. Those are some of the bigger ones for Tiger Woods. Um, number three, LeBron James. So just shy of, of Tiger with $53 million. So this one's actually extremely uh, cool to look at. Do you know how much LeBron James makes every time he posts something on Twitter with his 44 million Twitter followers? Um, I'm going to say anywhere between 250 and 350K. Yeah, he makes more than Federer. LeBron James gets paid over a million dollars a tweet. Wow. By each of these companies. Wow. You know how I'd much- be tweeting like Donald Trump if I was making a million tweets. LeBron James generates an additional 500K every time he tweets for these companies. Jesus. <laughs> so, again, you look at the, the groups that are sponsoring LeBron James. Nike, Coca-Cola, Beats by Dre, and 2K Sports. Those are some of the big ones that sponsor him. Um, but again, it's insane. Like a million dollars to pick up your phone and tweet something about a company or mention a company. You know, you think about what that is. An athlete who has the reach of LeBron James. And again, like LeBron James is a celebrity. Let's just not take him as an athlete. He's a celebrity. He's a difference maker in the world. But he mentions Coca-Cola in a tweet. Automatically, he makes a million dollars and Coca-Cola brings him $1.5 million. Do you not find it ironic, though, that like when you look at these specimens playing sports, they're endorsing something that they, well, that they would never consume. That they would never consume. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so, number four, well, you look again, I'll look at Michael Jordan. Do you think that he was drinking Coca Cola and eating McDonald's all the time? True. Absolutely not. True. True. <laughs> but McDonald's was paying him like he was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Cristiano Ronaldo, number four, um, he's bringing in between 675,000 to 937,000 per tweet. And he's, a di- he's adding on to that almost a million dollars. So he actually, if you look at companies' investment, he's actually returning their investment that much more. So he's got Nike, EA Sports, Herbalife, and DAZN as his biggest sponsors. Wow. Um, I'm not going to get into all of these, but I'll just kind of list them off the top 10. So Steph Curry is number five. Um, Bill Mickelson is number six. Um, it's relevant. Lionel Messi, yeah. Wow. Golfers, man, they make a lot of money with like the high end stuff, like Kevin was mentioning. KPMG is his big one, right? Yeah. Well, like he's he's got a bunch of the uh, of the big ones, like KPMG, Callaway, Intrepid Financial, you know, Exxon, Rolex. Like he's got some very lucrative sponsors. So number seven, Lionel Messi. At number seven, um, again, you look at the return that a lot of these groups are getting. He's very selective with who he actually chooses to be a rep for. Um, but he's turning over a million dollars plus for every tweet. And he's also bringing in $1.5 million for every company. So $2.5 million every time Lionel Messi tweets something. But again, wow. like he's got Adidas, Lays, Gatorade, MasterCard, Pepsi, Budweiser. Like he's got the major, you know, the major ones. Um, number eight, Kevin Durant. Number nine, uh, Kei Nishikori, who's a Japanese tennis player. So uh, we should probably get our kids into tennis here, boys. <laughs> it seems like they're uh, they're making some pretty significant bank. Daddy um, needs a new Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, number 10 is Rory McIlroy. Um, Rory. Hasn't yeah. won a major in like nine years. But again, doesn't matter. I mean, then if you look at the next like 10 people, they're all golf and tennis players. <laughs> like all golf and tennis um the top uh, female on the list you guys could probably guess who that is serena williams serena williams so serena is number 15 um and again you look at what she's able to to bring in so she's making um between 25 and 30 million dollars for endorsements um but you look at some of the uh some of the endorsement deals that she has they're actually pretty you know pretty um Pretty one of a kind. So Wheaties, she's the only one with a Wheaties sponsorship out of all these athletes. 
So a, a company that's renowned for, you know, having star athletes on the front of their, uh, the front of their product, Serena Williams is the only one who actually has an endorsement deal with them. Um, and then one that really stuck out to me because it's kind of modern and unique, Bumble. She has a massive, massive agreement with Bumble where she promotes their product. Isn't that uh, a dating service? It is. It is. Isn't she married? Yeah, she's married though. But I think what happens is it promotes like, you know, female choice. So yeah. it gives, you know, the women, you know, the power to select if they want to move forward with the conversation or not. Um, um, just to be clear though, all dating apps probably do that. If we need to clarify anymore, the women on dating apps are the ones making all the decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't anyway, matter which one you're looking at. We won't we won't get into that because I'm sure that could be a very interesting conversation. But um, you know, what yeah, be, I, you know, it'd be interesting to look at if um, she signed that endorsement deal while she was married, because uh, her husband isn't he the like co-founder of Reddit? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So like, if he has a pulse on like the technology again, she she does she very well have made that decision on her own. But if you have someone who who knows the business from a tech perspective, he could if he could have said like, "Hey, babe, yeah, you should, you know, if they're coming at you, you should you should probably give it a shot." You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I, I mean, who knows? But again, you know, you, you get a, a unique sponsorship like that, and I mean, you kind of stick out from the crowd. So that's why I think Serena's kind of separated herself as not only the best female athlete in the world, but you know, in regards to making business decisions, I mean, very smart on her part too. So, you know, I, I named that list off guys and, you know, you, you look at a lot of these, you know, crossover sponsorships that a lot of these, you know, big companies are, are endorsing, but what's the first thing that sticks out to you guys when I rhyme off that list of all these, you know, large sponsors and how much influence these athletes have on the company's profits at the end of the day that they could turn over. Fair trade. <laughs> I guess fair trade. I mean, if you're if you're gonna pay me two hundred thousand, and you know at the end of the day, off that two hundred thousand, you make four or five hundred thousand. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's return on investment. The you know what? If there was return on investment guarantees, that's why all these top athletes continue to be the top athletes, even some of them that aren't necessarily as relevant as they were, because they have a proven almost guaranteed rate of return on investment for marketing. Yeah. Like you can't necessarily get that kind of return on investment with a commercial anymore. Right. Even Super Bowl ads aren't going to guarantee you that, although they do pretty well, but they're not going to guarantee you um, a return on investment, but because so many people watch it, you know that you have to pay more for that spot because there's an expected return on investment. That's going to be greater than a regular commercial. Yeah. So yeah. If these athletes are continually giving you, you know, four or five times um, the amount of money that you're paying them for just one tweet. Why would you not continue doing that? That's only in your best favor. You're printing money at that point, right? Yeah, and it's such an interesting market to go down when you look at branding and and marketability. I mean, we, we talked about it in the Jeopardy episode, which you guys were oh so good with. Um, but we <laughs> talked about one of the categories being naming rights. And I mean, that's obviously huge in the sports world where every arena, every field, you know, every park is named after something. And, you know, the, the one thing, Jet, I know you're a, you're a huge soccer fan. What does every large soccer club have on the front of their jersey? Yes, they're sponsors. A huge sponsorship. So when you're watching, you know, a Manchester United or a Liverpool or a Barcelona, like when you're watching these teams, you're not exactly, you know, looking at their jersey saying, oh, you know, it's Barcelona. You know their colors, but when you look at the front of Barcelona's jersey, what's on the front of Barcelona's jersey? AIG? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Uh, yeah. Who is, who, yeah, who is on the front of that? Who is? <laughs> um, isn't it Rakuten? It's Rakuten. Rakuten? Rakuten. Rakuten. Anyways, so. but, but uh, you know, again, what, what reach does that have on the viewer, whether they're in the stadium or out of the stadium? Is that going to entice them to go and use, you know, Rakuten after watching a Barcelona game? Maybe, probably. Obviously, they're doing it for a reason, right? So, again, it's, it's 
weighing the pros and cons of going and investing in somebody. So, I mean, you look at the return of your investment, the two biggest generators off of return and investment are LeBron James and Lionel Messi. Hmm. So if you're a large company who's looking at your product and get the reach that you want globally, I mean, the two guys you're probably looking at are those two, right? So, you know, it's, it's weighing the pros and cons. And I mean, again, it's just like free agency. Whenever an athlete's contract comes up and going back to the Kobe Bryant, you know, um, portion I brought up earlier, whenever an athlete's contract is, is up with a team, he goes into, he or she go into free agency and they're able to negotiate new terms, new deal. Same thing happens with endorsements. They, you know, once their contract is up with a certain company, they can go shop around. And even if it's a conflict of interest, they can go and sign with, you know, if they're with Nike, they can go and sign with Adidas once it's done. If they're with, you know, Gatorade, they can go sign with Powerade after it's all done. Like that's, that's kind of the wild West format of these endorsement deals. And, you know, I'll speak about my time working for a, a certain beer company. That's uh, the world's largest beer company. And, you know, some of the, some of the cool stuff that we were able to do with athletes. I mean, I was there when they were able to sign Lionel Messi. I was there when we had, you know, George St. Pierre with Bud Light, you know, it, uh, it was a very you know interesting way of of looking at you know marketing our brand and our product, and that's exactly how these companies are going to look at it. So, did you guys ever sign Brock Lesnar, or did he go with another brand because you weren't paying him? Nothing? Paying him nothing. Um, that was before my time, but I uh, would have loved to have signed Brock Lesnar. Um, but but here's a question for you guys: If you we're in charge. So let, I'll just assign you guys a random, a random company right now. And this is you playing the, you know, the now versus investing in the future game. So Jethro, you're going to be in charge of, you're going to be in charge of Adidas. Kevin, you're going to be in charge of, of Pepsi. Okay. So Jet. If you had to go and forecast what was going to be the best return on your investment and, you know, again, weighing your favorite athlete versus a high earner versus exposure, who would you be looking at in order to take your brand to the next level? Uh, I'd have to say Nike just because it's so. So you're Adidas and you're going to pursue Nike. Oh, he said if I'm Adidas. <laughs> yeah, I'm you're saying. Adidas, man. Sorry, 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 sorry. So <laughs> Jethro's going to corner the market. He's going to sponsor a rival <laughs> shoe company. <laughs> Listen, happy 420. Everyone. The bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it plays out for him. <laughs> oh. All right. So, so who am I going to pursue if I'm, if I'm Adidas? Is that yeah. what you're who are you going to pursue if you're Adidas that's going to turn the market around for you and really give you that leg up on you know, the competition? And it could be absolutely anyone. Absolutely anybody. You know what? From a marketing perspective, I'd take Cristiano Ronaldo. Just because soccer is absolutely everywhere, right? Basketball is super popular, I, I admit. But soccer is literally played everywhere. So I think just having the appeal, like Mbappe is not quite there yet. Messi, Messi is, Messi is just phenomenal, but Ronaldo has like, you know, I look like a model. I do commercials. I'm everywhere already. Like I just have that face kind of like David Beckham back in the day. And now we see David Beckham doing, you know, ads for cologne and underwear. Yeah. So I think he has that international appeal just based on his look. So I would, yeah, I would, I think I would take, I, again, I don't think he's the greatest soccer player in, on the planet, but I think he has, but I think he has the most marketable um, characteristics. So I, yeah, I'd, I'd go Cristiano Ronaldo. All right. So going with the number four earning athlete in the world in regards to endorsements. So probably cut a big check for him, but uh, could be worth it in the long run. So Kev, you're, uh, you're the CEO of the Pepsi marketing and brand team. What, uh, what are you looking at in regards to turning your, your fortunes around? Okay, so it's interesting. I actually have a little bit of background knowledge here on Pepsi's marketing campaigns from uh, you know the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s because I've been watching um, on history television, Foods That Built America. Great little show if you ever get the chance. And the, 
probably the biggest play that Pepsi ever made uh, came at a time when Coke was making some pretty poor decisions mm -hmm. uh, when they were coming up with the new Coke formula and all that stuff. And Pepsi was grabbing market share then. So if you recall our early childhoods, those 80s uh, Pepsi commercials really um, pushed things and they started doing the blind taste test. Mm -hmm. And that was because Coke was so heavily entrenched in the market and it had been around for so long and kind of owned more market share for a lot longer than Pepsi did, right? Um, so they had to come up with bold ways. So the two things they did was that blind taste test. And then they did, um, you, know, you know, what seems very, uh, you know, intelligent now and what we're talking about now, but was kind of bold at the time. They went after new and emerging superstars in pretty much every realm of entertainment, right? You know, Michael Jackson's coming up in the world and he has his famous Pepsi commercial where he gets burnt while he's filming it and you know that probably gave them more revenue and marketing dollars from just that mishap than anything else um pepsi started making these huge super bowl commercials with whatever hot celebrity was happening at the time right we think back to our late high school days of britain spears being a pepsi ad girl they uh they seem to try and go for the new up-and-coming um celebrity so i think they're they're kind of pushing my push as ceo is to find that new and upcoming person who's going to attract younger, newer clients that aren't, you know, necessarily we drink Coke at this house. And that's kind of what we drink here and Pepsi's not in here. Um, so I think I'm going after uh, youth. Okay? And from a football perspective, you know, I'm going after Trevor Lawrence. I'm going after Justin Herbert. I'm going after the young big names and hoping they really hit, um, you know, and, and I got them signed down before their, you know, household names where everyone owns their jersey. Uh, if I'm going into uh, kind of the outside of the big four sports, right, I want to get up and coming new athletes that are that are doing things right. Um, a, a name that comes to mind. Um, and I'll use kind of her right now. And it's pretty awesome. She's Canadian, but uh, Bianca Andrescu, right, for tennis, I'd be going after her right now. She's young. She just won a major, um, you know, back what a year ago mm -hmm. right? 2019 2020 no 2019 um when's the u.s open in 2019 well i i don't know what time no. is irrelevant Who? Of our lives. i don't know what day it is even though i'm still working um but uh, i'd be going after her right i i'm keeping that pepsi model i'm going after youth that um you know are on their way and they might be for the next 20 years a household name and uh, they've been with Pe with pepsi ever since hopefully making Pepsi a household name for young generations that grow up following her. Right. So that's my thought. Go after youth, go after the young up and comers that aren't necessarily as entrenched as, you know, some of the bigger names that command more dollars for their tweets, let's say. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and they're, they're both interesting strategies when it comes to building a brand and really overtaking your competitor. Are you going to do the long-term play and invest a lot of money uh, on several assets and pieces, or are you going to go after a guy like Ronaldo to kind of corner your, uh, your brand and maybe other athletes will be enticed to come sign with you. So, um, I mean, for me, the one guy I mentioned him earlier, the one guy that I'd absolutely want to, to be a part of right now, um, would be either a Zion Williamson or a Luka Doncic. I, I just think that both of these guys, like Zion's got a, you know, he has kind of that, um, you know, the next one, uh, you know, demeanor to him. He, I think he reminds a lot of people of like, you know, phenoms who have come in the league, like a, uh, like Shaquille O'Neal type guy. You know what I mean? He, he needs an Olympics under his belt and then yeah. he becomes an even bigger name for marketing. But that's what I'm saying. So get on yeah. the ground floor before he goes to the Olympics and becomes that international star. And I mean, Luca, who is an international prospect, you know, he's become huge in the States because of everything he's been able to bring over here, but he's mm -hmm. also big back over in Europe. Right. So you've got a you know, good stranglehold on both of those markets, but you know, I look at the way that basketball is trending and how much revenue is being pumped into the NBA. And you look at these super max contracts that these guys are signing and it's really becoming, you know, one of the more profitable entities in the world because it's becoming a worldwide sport. So, I mean, you look at soccer, I think the soccer market's so flooded with different talent. You can, you can really get lost in everybody that you can target there. 
And I mean, tennis and golf, they're not going anywhere, but do you really have the top notch star that, that you had, you know, back five years ago when, or maybe 10 years ago when Tiger was at his peak, Federer was at his peak, you know, these guys are going to, you know, come out of the game eventually. So, I mean, I got to go with, uh, you know, with youth like Kev and go with Zion or, uh, or Luca in, uh, in my brand growth and, and build long-term. So with that, fellas, uh, we will call it a night because I see Jethro starting to fade on us uh, <laughs> in the corner. Um, I, slept I, gotta, late, I slept late, woke up early, man. It was bad. I got to get you talking more so that way you can uh, you can stay a part of the, of the chat. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that, fellas. Uh, no, no, no. Jet just had some delicious uh, smoke shack before he came on here. So it's exactly. uh, it's got his belly full. Exactly. Um, That'll do it. But uh, again, thank you again for another week of, uh, of listening to us talk about, uh, you know, nonsense. But uh, again, I thought that was an interesting conversation to have um, in regards to the amount of money that's flowing through a lot of these athletes' hands right now in regards to, uh, you know, the world scope. So that's it for another week. And uh, again, you know, go out and support local where you can, everybody. Um, again, big, yeah. what's that? Don't we have a wager? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go to the weight. Just give me a second, man. I don't know. You you sounded like you were wrapping up, man. I okay. am, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have the wager. Don't worry. <laughs> so, again, big shout out to the Smoke Shack for uh, you know for being our uh, our title sponsor. Um, we look forward to working with them. And uh, Jet and Kev, you guys are up for the wager. And uh, be quick, Kev. You want Jorge Masvidal or Usman? Usman. Well, there you go. All what right, are the what are we, we betting? What are we betting? Ooh, okay. I like the uh, concept of uh, purchasing alcohol for the other person. Um, I'm not necessarily a hard alcohol drinker, but I'm a big fan of uh, micro brews. So um, let's say, uh, do you like, you don't drink beer, right? Nah. Okay. Let's, let's either add to your collection of Appleton Estate um, or my collection of micro brew samplers. And you got to choose them and surprise me. Well, here's, and, uh, here's what I'll say. Jet, Jet will pick your microbrews of you in, but because he's got Masvidal, you got to give him the three-piece with the soda. Oh, so yeah. maybe give him some uh, some hard sodas wherever, uh, wherever you can go buy them. Okay, deal. All right. All right. Even though I'm going to lose this bet, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, put it on the board. That is our week for this week. Uh, Jet, you will get your uh, your penance from me uh, this week as well, so you'll have a little extra motivation you know, going into the weekend. But, uh, again, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you, everybody. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Go support the podcast, and let's uh, let's grow this bitch. So, order uh, from Smoke Shack. Order from Smoke Shack. Do it Later, tonight. bitches. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> good night everybody we'll see you all next week love y'all